We're listening to the Hello Awesome podcast, and this is episode number 153. Hey guys, welcome back to the Hello Awesome podcast. JC here. We have been diving into some really rich conversations about mental health, motherhood, trauma, and healing. I am just so privileged. Honestly, I'm truly, it is an honor to host these conversations, to be with you guys week after week, diving into such real talk. The awesome part about this week's podcast is that it is with another podcast host. She is also an incredible apostolic singer, and she has so much to say about healing and mental health. But before we get into this conversation, I'm here again to remind you that I am still collecting uh, podcast reviews, any emails that you might want to send to me or messages you might want to send to me about how you have been blessed by the podcast so that I can compile a final celebration episode at the end of this season. So if you have been blessed by any of the topics that we have talked about, if there's a specific guest or a specific moment that you remember God used to bless you, please let me know. Send me an email at helloawesomeshop at gmail.com or you can send me a voice memo or a message. DM it to me on Instagram at helloawesomelive so I can gather that all up and I can share them at the end of this season. Okay, guys, my guest today is Bethany Jennings. She is a mom. She is a wife. She is an amazing singer, songwriter, and worshiper. She is also such a champion for mental health, and she speaks into so many great things on her podcast, We Should Talk. And today, Bethany shares with us how God has taught her this past year a lot about doing what we can and how that is enough. Also, she speaks into not saying yes to every opportunity that's available to us. She talks about how you can be effective, but also how you can have rest, how you can have a balance and find that rhythm so that you can be who God has called you to be and truly just be, to sit at the feet of Jesus and to also be busy for the right things. Guys, this conversation is so precious. I hope that you enjoy it. So here we go. This is episode number 153 that I am calling Follow Peace with Bethany Jennings. Hey guys, I'm JC. Are you ready for real conversations about faith, business, and life? Me too. This is the Hello Awesome podcast where I bring forth topics and truthful insights that will encourage you to make intentional choices and pursue God with your whole heart. Are you ready to say hello to the awesome blessings that God has for you? All right. Let's do this. This is the point where I usually share sponsored ads and all of my sponsors share their amazing deals that they have with you. But since this is the last season of the podcast, I just have to say thank you. Thank you so much for supporting these faith-based businesses these last four years. If you want to continue supporting anything, well, how about buying some of my books? 
If you go on Amazon, just type in my name, JC, J-A-C-Y, Pulford, P-U-L-F-O-R-D, and you will find all of my titles right there on Amazon. The awesome thing is if you have Prime, your books will ship in just a couple of days. I have on there some awesome devotions that will help you with your mental health, with forgiveness, with your power of influence. I also have Bible study guides if you're struggling with your devotion time or if you want to dive into the stories of seven ungodly women of the Bible. I almost forgot to share with you my modest fashion coloring books. I have three out right now and the latest is a garden theme. It has florals, inspirational quotes, scriptures, and of course, beautiful modest fashion illustrations that anyone at any age can color and have fun with. Thank you guys for supporting the ministry of Hello Awesome. Be sure to check out my books on Amazon. And just because there won't be any new podcast episodes does not mean there won't be any new books. So be sure to check those out. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Hello Awesome podcast. I am so excited for another week, another guest here. Um, we have had some really impactful conversations and I hope they have been uh, a blessing to you. I know that they have been a blessing to me. And today I'm sure is going to be no different. I have with me the very talented and beautiful and sweet Bethany Jennings. Bethany, thank you for being here with me today. Can you please share with everyone listening a little bit about who you are and what you do? Ah. Good to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, as stated, I am Bethany Jennings, uh, previously pre-marriage Bethany Watt. Um, I am a PK. I am a, a PW, <laughs> a preacher's kid and a preacher's wife. And uh, I, uh, I'm a mom and that is, I'm the keeper of my home. That's my biggest my biggest and most important calling at this point in my life. And um, I, I think what most people see of me, um, I'm a singer, songwriter. I'm the worship uh, director here at our church along with my husband. But there's this whole other side of me that a lot of people uh you don't normally see if you're worshiping with me in service, you know, mm-hmm. um, I have, uh, studied accounting and psychology. Uh, I hate accounting. Absolutely hate it, but <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was something that the church needed. Um, because people get so focused on heaven that sometimes they forget we have to actually fund the things that get people to heaven, you know? Right. And so, which is, it's the practical side of ministry that a lot of people don't always talk about. But again, it was something that I felt I needed to do for the sake of ministry, kind of a weird form of ministry, but I did it. Um, and at one point I was the financial secretary of our church. I am no longer that praise God. Um, uh, studied psychology. I specifically focused on juvenile psychology. Um, I worked uh, in a behavior unit for early childhood through fifth grade. I'm also a special education certified teacher for early childhood through 12th grade. Um, an academic uh, certified EC through four. 
So I have, I'm a student. I just like, I like learning. I love to learn things. And if you, if I could be paid to just learn the rest of my life, that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I learn things. I don't always get paid to learn. <laughs> I don't always yeah. get paid to learn it. The Lord's still teaching me lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have worked at a mental health facility on the financial side. I have worked, uh, as I said, in a behavior unit. I've worked in uh, a public elementary school. I've done private tutoring. My husband and I own a music school. Um, and we work at the church and we travel and we do ministry. I, there's no, it's not like we do ministry and we do. Everything we do is ministry. And I think that's a really important thing to remember if you are going to live your life as ministry. It's not just a pulpit. It's not just a microphone. It's conversations at a table. It's yeah. interactions with people in your daily life. That's ministry. Ministry is service. And so any way you can serve the kingdom and serve the people that God loves, that's ministry. And I think we need right. to um, I'm kind of jumping off into it here. <laughs> I think we need to stop discounting our role in the kingdom simply because we're not the one with the microphone all the time. So that's a little bit about me. Um, yeah, I love it. I think, I mean, we all need that practical mind in our church. And I mean, coming in hot with the truth, I'm excited about it because this is like going along with the theme of this season is talking about the story of Mary and Martha. And this is what God kind of has put been putting on my heart for this last season of the podcast, that instead of the normal, like, um, tailored questions that I would give each guest, he gave me one question only to give to, to each of you. And it's because in Luke 10, 42, the famous story of Martha who is serving and Mary, who's sitting at the feet of Jesus, and Martha gets frustrated at her sister for not helping. So she approaches Jesus, hoping that Jesus would uh, make his make her sister help her. But instead, Jesus has this lesson to give to Martha. And he yeah. says, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. And I felt God give me this question, and I know it's going to be a loaded question, but that's hopefully something we can unpack together, is (laughs) what is one thing that Jesus has taught you in the past year that you will never forget? I have learned, and sometimes I'm still learning, those lessons I don't get paid to learn, that as long as I'm doing what I can, I'm doing enough. Yeah. And it... It can be a lot when you have a toddler and you travel the world with your husband and your your own ministry and you manage the home front in ministry and you want to be a good keeper of the home and you want to be a good daughter and a good sister and a good all these things. Mm-hmm. And you feel like you are constantly pouring out. You feel like the Martha of the situation. <coughs> oh, that was onyx. You feel like the Martha of the situation. <coughs> And you feel like you've got so much to do that you forget to just be. Yeah. You always want to, you always want to do more and help more. And I think we're, we're kind of trained to do that, right? Because ministry is service. We have to serve, 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 but we are forgetting that we serve the body of Christ. Hmm. And if we are not with the Christ of the body at some point, we are of no service to his body. Right. And so, 
learning to do what I can when I can and coming back to get refilled yeah. is a pretty big deal. And I think part of that lesson is not saying yes to every opportunity. Because right. I think a lot of times we say, well, God is really opening a lot of doors right now. And he legitimately may be. But not every open door is a God door. Mm-hmm. And not every opportunity is a God opportunity. I mean, even Satan was offering some opportunities to the Lord. That's right? true. Like, yeah. If you like to, if you could turn this stone to bread, well, you know, if you would just bow to me, then I could. He was offering opportunity. Right. So not every opportunity is a God opportunity. It's not necessarily that some opportunities are horrible, awful, destroy you opportunities, but they can be distractions. Right. Differentiating between God opportunities and just man opportunities is a pretty big deal when you have limited resources, limited, whether that's financial resources or mental resources or emotional or physical strength resources, mm-hmm. knowing, knowing which is what is pretty important. And so I, I have always had this tendency to just say yes uh, yeah. because it needed to get done, right? Especially yeah. as a PK, well, something needs to get done. I got to do it. Let's roll out. Yeah. So having the, uh, the, the patience and the, um, the confidence in my own relationship with God to pause and not just jump into an opportunity and say, whether I say yes or no to this opportunity, I know that it, there will be another opportunity. You, uh, well, I just want to jump in real quick because you said a word there that has been my favorite word the last couple years, and that is pause. And that is something that I personally feel convicted we do not do enough of. And I think that we almost kind of like Martha, we see the need, we feel like we have to fill that need hurry up and do it, we automatically jump ahead, assuming that God has given us the green light to do certain things. And sometimes, even in our conversations, we will say things because we feel that we're in line with God's will, so it's okay if I say this thing. And for example, I'm thinking of like even the culture stuff that's happening right now. You know, we have a lot of people putting their voice in the conversation, and I'm trying to learn and pray that we need to like pause because that does not mean that God wants us to say something or do something. And I think when it comes to the church, um, you're right. We can be a yes man. We can say, yes, I'll do it. Yes, I'll do it. Yes, I'll do it. Um, But that leads to burnout eventually because we only have so much. We only have a, a, a certain capacity because we're not meant to be God, right? We're not meant to be um, omnipresent and um, all-knowing, omnipresent, all of those things. When we do say yes to everything, we have to realize we we actually are saying no every time we say yes. Every time I say yes to an opportunity that really isn't a God opportunity, I have to say no to something that would have been a God opportunity. Hmm. Because even if I am just like, yeah, sure, yeah, sure, absolutely, sign me up, I'm game, let's go, let's go, let's go, that means 
I don't give my full attention or full capacity to the right opportunity. And so those people who actually need me there, the churches that actually need our ministry in that moment, that very specific moment, because the God of eternity actually has impeccable timing. Right. And so there are some places and some people you need to interact with at specific times. And if I'm not there at the right time, because I've said yes to something else that again, may or may not be a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It just may not be the right thing. Mm. Yeah. Then I limit my effectiveness and you're right. I, as far as, you know, opening or closing our mouths on certain topics in, in our society right now, it's, it's a, it's a big responsibility. And I think of people who have been blessed with, some platform of influence can waste their platform on stuff that really Correct. doesn't mean a whole. Right. And are we are called to preach Jesus and him crucified, right? That's what scripture says. And if you're busy crucifying everybody else because their beliefs don't line up with yours, then you've wasted your platform. Yeah, it's too much. It's too much. There's a lot of things. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of things that we don't agree with going on in the world right now. Mm-hmm. However, when you get down in the muck and the mire, you dim your light. We're a city mm-hmm. set on a hill. It's what we're supposed to be. And when you get down and you get in the nitty gritty and you get dirty with everybody else because you're mudslinging, your right. light goes dim. They're not going to be able to find you. That's good. And you know, in James, it says, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak. And slow to anger. And trust me, I know, I know there's a time for righteous indignation. Trust me. Mm-hmm. There are some things that make my whole, oh, it makes me so mad. Yeah. When I see the victims that are coming of this culture right now. Yeah. However, I should never say more on social media than I do in my prayer closet. Never. Yeah. And I think sometimes we satisfy our need for quote unquote justice yes, with a keyboard or with a video instead of us going to the very just God and letting him handle it. We, we, we almost put ourselves above God when we say, well, I can handle this better than you can. So instead of talking to you about it and letting you handle it, I'm going to go take care of it. Right. That's right. That's not, that's not appropriate. And again, it comes back to, I've got to do instead of be. That was the difference in Martha and Mary. Martha was like, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to serve the people. I got to prep the food. I got to make sure everything's going well. I've got to do. And Mary said, I just want to be, I just want to be at his feet. I just want to be near him. Doing and be are different. And I think sometimes we feel guilty for being, we feel like we should be doing more. We do. Yeah. When the most important thing you can do is be with him. Right. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, I love what you said about, um, you know, as long as I do what I can, it is enough. That's very difficult because we are in such a mindset. I don't know if this is just our upbringing, maybe it's generational or if this is in church culture or just in general people, but we are so driven by performance 
And I was talking about this, I think the last um, interview of just knowing like my childhood and I had a great childhood, but there were a lot of emotional, mental things that I had to endure. And I realized that a lot of it was based on like performance. And so we feel that God is like that, that he's waiting for us to kind of like perform monkey, let's go. You know, if you want my love, then I need you to do X, Y, and Z. And it's like, we did nothing to deserve his love. There is nothing that we did that triggered his love. He is love. That is who he is. So it's like, what do we think is going to happen if we say no? Do we think that we are that powerful that if we say no, everything falls apart? Yeah. We make an idol of our own abilities. Mm, That's good. Yeah. That's hard too, because I think we know that we are capable of certain things and that he has equipped us and gifted us in certain areas. But we have to also realize that whole pausing and letting him kind of dictate how we serve. You know, Martha was serving, but she wasn't being. We have to have that balance of, okay, but let's spend time, like you were saying, at the feet of Christ uh, so that we can learn what he wants us to do, how he wants us to be. So that when we go back to serving, we can have like this filter from him rather than our own um, desires or right. whatever. Well, it, when you're letting Christ work through you and not in spite of you, you get a lot more done. Hmm. <laughs> so when you go back to him and you let him clean you and purify you and oh, give me just a minute, baby presses. <laughs> when you let god purify you and clean you out of some of our human motives and some of our convoluted ways of thinking that naturally occur because you know we're human um then you you work more effectively it's like a pipe you know when you clean that pipe out there's a better flow and it's just, it's a practical way of looking at it but it's still the truth when you have all of your your human offenses, your human ways of thinking, your, your, your way of processing, your way of doing things, your, and it becomes all about how you do things instead of how Christ does things through you. It, it limits your effectiveness. It limits your efficiency. You're only as efficient as you are effective, right? Yeah. And so I cannot, I can say, well, I'm doing this, 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 and this, and my calendar is planned to the minute usually. But if I'm not being effective in those things on my to-do list, then my efficiency is a, is a not. It doesn't do me any good. Mm-hmm. And I I do think that the be the the doing versus being is a pretty big deal because we get to the point where we let our identity be in what we do for the kingdom. Yeah. Right. And I think that's why a lot of times you'll see territorialism. In leadership positions, you'll see it in even the smallest things because that's their whole identity. It's, well, I'm, I'm the men's director. I'm the worship leader. I'm the, the ladies coordinator. I'm the, that's what I am. Yeah. It's who I, yeah. It's who I am. It's what I, this is what I do. I'm not anything else. Yeah. Now what you are is a Christian. Mm -hmm. That's what you are. And 
in your Christianity, you serve in the capacity of whatever, fill in the blank. But because we allow our identity to be what we do instead of who Christ has made us, we get everything twisted up. And scripture mm-hmm. doesn't say do holy things. It says be holy. Right. Right. And, and so- the only way that we can actually do holy things is if it comes flowing out of being holy. Exactly. And so we, again, it becomes a performance thing. Well, I checked the mark. I checked that box. I read my Bible. I checked the box. I did my prayer time. I checked the box. I, I coordinated another event. I checked the box. I served a meal to that grieving family. I checked the box. And so we are performing, 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 but we're not being holy. Because what makes us holy is not our deeds. What makes us holy is communion and unity with Christ. And when we don't have communion and we don't have unity with Christ, we can't be holy. We're not capable of it. Right. I mean, if we were capable of it, he could have saved himself some time and some pain. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not been crucified. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That was the whole point is, you know, we needed a pure sacrifice and he's the only one who could have done that. He's the only sinless one. He's the pure lamb. And I, I do think that, um, a lot of it is we, we want to do the right thing. We want to do good things. Um, but we don't just pause long enough. Um, and, we are just so quick and we kind of allow the pace of the world to be our pace in the church. And this is something that God really is just putting on my heart right in this moment as we're talking, because I'd never seen it this way until you start talking, but I'm just picturing everything in the world, just kind of spinning so quickly. Uh, Everything's going fast. And it's like the church gets nervous and afraid that, Oh, we got to catch up or else we're not going to be affected, effective. And it's like, well, they don't call the shots of what we do in the church. God calls the shots of what we do in the church. And we're not trying to church bash. This is just saying like our observations and what God is showing us about when we are serving in the body of Christ, we have to let him lead us. We have to let him set the pace for everything. And if he's telling us to step back, it's not because God is afraid of anything or that he's punishing us or anything like that. There's a bigger picture that he sees. And so if he's asking us to step back to say no more, it's because he knows what a we need, but also B what the church needs. And that like the whole point of, of being a Christian is to follow him. And I think sometimes we get such uh, that knowledge, um, it kind of puffs us up as the scripture says, and we start, uh, acting as if we are Christ and we start making decisions as if we are God because we know him. Right. I mean, I know who God is. I know his personality. I know how he is without understanding that there are so, there are so many things he has not yet revealed to us. And so, how we operate if we do not pause and be with him 
uh, we're not going to be prepared the way we think we're going to be prepared because there are certain things that have not yet been revealed to us. And he's trying to tell us, hey, let me lead you because you don't even know where we're going. I do. And there are some things that you don't know about yet, but you will in time. And there are some things that we will never know. No, there, there are things that only eternity will tell. Yeah. And others say, well, only time will tell. We ain't going to learn during time. We'll have to wait till eternity. Mm-hmm. We cannot handle the full, the full understanding and knowledge that God has. There's, right. there's, can't. We're not God. And I think that's why scripture says his word's a lamp to our feet. Because we use that word to guide our next few steps. It's not a spotlight. It's not this high beam that's showing you everything in the end. It's for the next few steps. And then when you have that relationship with him and you do trust him, then you can trust the next few steps. And you can trust that by the time I get to that last step that I know to take, he'll give me the, the next few steps. A lamp is not a high beam. A lamp is not a spotlight. Yeah. You have to trust the lamp. You have to trust the word and having a relationship with the word, which, you know, John tells us is him. The beginning is the word, was with God, word was God. When we have a relationship with the word and him, then we're okay to take those next few steps. And we're okay to not try to keep up with this world's pace and expectations. I think sometimes we, we can be very, um, we can have tunnel vision and very narrowly apply scripture for like for example when it says come out from them then and be you separate we especially in in our holiness standards we can say well that means that we need to do xyz but it's not just how you dress and how you talk to people and how you cut or don't cut how you paint or don't paint that's not the only way we're separate right we're separate in our entire approach to life yeah we we are separate we're we don't have to keep up with this world's pace when we're following in step with christ when we're following that lamp and we we feel the need to keep up because we have not fully turned our face to him you know the old song Turn your eyes upon Jesus, full of his wonderful face. Yes. Yes. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim. The things of this world are too bright still. If we are not looking full, full in the face of God, if we're not focusing on him solely, we still feel that pull to keep up and do and do and do and go and go and go. Mm-hmm. But when we are fully focused on him, then everything in this world grows dim. And we don't, we don't even feel the pressure to keep up with the world. And if we are so busy keeping up with the world, then the world, again, will never notice a difference in us. They'll never know the peace of the pause. Yeah. There is peace in being able to pause and know that you're not going to miss nothing. The FOMO is real for a lot of people. If I, don't, yes. if I don't immediately jump in, I'm going to miss something. I don't have FOMO. I kind of have JOMO. I have joy of missing out. <laughs> I, I am totally going to miss out on a lot of things going on right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, Do you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? 
100% introvert. Okay. Yeah. Because you said that and I was like, that's my girl right there. We, we are kindred yeah. spirits. And I'm like, I, got the I don't, I I don't the mind. <laughs> you guys can go. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, <laughs> you can tell me about it when you get back. We can have like a one-on-one conversation. That's fine. Oh my um, gosh. I love that. No, I, am, I am quite introverted. You know, I think Jesus was introverted too because he was like around all these crowds and ministering to all these people. And like every time he got done, he was like, I just, I just need to go be by myself a minute. Yeah. I just need, right. I, I just need to go and be by myself. Like even like mm-hmm. sometimes he was with his close friends, the disciples, you know, and then he was, sometimes he's like, no, I just need some time alone. So I'm pretty yeah. sure Jesus was, that was <laughs> by the way. Love that. Well, I think that is, I think that is, um, such a good point in general, whether people consider themselves an extrovert, introvert, and extrovert, introvert, you know, they make up all bunch of stuff now. But um, I think that um, it does help us, obviously, be feel like we're being seen when we put labels on stuff. But um, Jesus definitely took time to pause, like to be yeah. alone, to be separate from the crowd, from the noise. And, yeah. um, you know, I think that it's very difficult for some people to do that because they do have the FOMO. They feel like they're missing out on something. But also, like you were saying, their identity is so tied to their service that they don't like being alone. And they don't like um, not having that busyness around them as a distraction. Well, your internal voice. Oh, yeah. Your internal voice is the loudest when you're alone. And a lot of people do not want to be by themselves because themselves know the most about themselves. Mm. And when you have unaddressed issues, it's really difficult to sit with them. Sitting in silence magnifies that internal voice. And when you don't allow, again, allow Christ to work through you and in you and make you a new creature over and over and over again, then that old man is going to be right there talking at you. It's that, it's that, that monologue, that internal narrator that this is happening and this, this could happen. Remember when you did this and when you, and so you are constantly, the the noise is so loud in silence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when we don't fill up that space and it's one thing to be alone, it's another thing to be with Christ. You sitting by yourself is not always you being with Christ. It's true. So have that time when you're with Christ so that he can readjust how you talk to yourself. We talk to ourselves in ways that we would not allow people to talk to us. That's true. That is true. We say some really horrible things sometimes we do. to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there is something I actually talked about in, um, one of my books, Give It to God, Girl, and it is um, how Jesus never said to be unkind to yourself mm. and that that sometimes we feel, and this can, this kind of goes along what we're talking about, is if in order to be humble, we have to be mean to ourselves. And it's like, first mm. of all, that's, A, that's not biblical, and B, who told you that? Because Jesus didn't say that. So it's like, I don't know, yeah. sometimes we adopt that mindset of well, like, I don't want to be too big. So I need to say all of these things <laughs> to like make sure that I'm not going to be. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I I think we think humility is self-deprecating, and it's not. Yes. Correct. It's not. Because yeah. everything God made beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. God don't make ugly, contrary to what we keep seeing on, in the streets these days. Um, yeah. he, he His creation is beautiful. And for you to talk ugly about yourself is to talk ugly about God's creation. And that's not that's not right. It's not pleasing to God. But we think humility is self-deprecating. And we say, well, I'm not this and I'm not that. And I could never be and I would not. And what we end up doing is we make our opinion of ourselves more important than what God has said about us. Hmm. When we our own opinions hinder us from doing the work that God has called us to, the works that we have been chosen to do, we say, okay, God, I know you're omniscient and I know you made me and I know you formed me in my mother's womb and I know all this, but I feel like I know a little bit more than you. So I'm not going to do the things that you call me to do because I'm obviously disqualified. Mm-hmm. Which is wild. Yeah. And I, and I think too, this is also um, denying ourselves the grace that God has given us. And so you were, you were talking about, you know, uh, as long as I do what I can, it is enough. And um, that, you know, what I can what I can do, you know, when I can do it, not saying yes to every opportunity. Um, when we feel like we are um, less than for whatever reason, mm-hmm. um, we need to really try hard to ask God to show us how he views us. And it's always going to be a place from grace and mercy. Absolutely. And I wanted to know um how have you seen like God show you his grace and it, as you have gone through this um season of motherhood and having to say no more. <laughs> He's definitely got more grace for me than I do. Yeah. That's that's the whole thing. Preach to the choir here. Yeah. Uh, I know there there have been people that we have worked with and trained uh, here on the home front specifically that they've it's like they've been working towards contributing on the level they need to so that I can take a breath, uh, especially with new baby coming in two weeks. And it's just like it's just started unfolding for them. Seeing God working in their lives is showing me okay, this is not just for them. This is also for you. And so seeing other people step up that David and I, my husband and I have worked with and trained and mentored and seeing them step up to take the responsibility and take some of that weight off of us has been so beautiful. And it's like, it's a return on investment, you know, because we have poured into them and, through the through God's grace and through the wisdom that only he can give, we have worked with them and trained them to do the things, whatever things, whether it's in the, the worship department or the evangelism team or the whatever, you know, all the things that we do. People are stepping up. They're not just waiting to be told what to do. They're taking on the responsibility of it. And so seeing God give them the confidence to do that, it's, it is taking stress off of me, taking that, the 
the weight of I have to do it all off of right. me. Yeah. And, and I don't know, maybe that's not the answer I was supposed to give, but seeing God work in other people's lives that I have been praying for, not that God would tear them from the horrible pit of sin, but that God would help them to see their own capabilities and to use those capabilities for the kingdom. Seeing that is letting me know that God sees me. He sees the work I've invested. He sees the time that my husband and I have put in for these moments so that I can have a maternity leave and not be back on the platform right. the week after my kid's born, you know? Right. Yeah. Or I can, I can travel with my husband and our rehearsals are taken care of. Our services are taken care of. We don't, I don't have to be in service in order for the fruits of our labor to prosper the kingdom. Right. Right. And seeing, seeing the work that I have put in, through the strength and wisdom of God come bearing fruit in this season, seeing that return on investment. That's, that's God's grace on display for me. Yeah. I'm not just pouring into a cup that has a hole in it. (laughs) They're retaining what the Lord has given them. Right. I mean, that's discipleship, right? I mean, we need to, uh, or into people, teach other people, work together to create a team. And yeah. yeah, it's so important. And it is a beautiful thing when you do see um, like people step up and help and step in so that those who are in leadership aren't bearing the weight of their call, the calling or, or the needs of what has to happen. And um I think it's such an important thing to mention, especially if we are in a in a place where we know we cannot do it all. I mean, we there. I think we get to a point where it can be manageable to some degree at one point, and we think it's going to always be manageable in our own hands. You know what I mean? And but there's going to be a point where, when it comes to growth and when it comes to different seasons of life that it's not always going to be that way. And it shouldn't, it shouldn't always no, be that it way. It the growth. It does. It, and it then the when you're not willing to go into that vineyard and prune some things out, you know, you got right. to get some things away, including yeah. sometimes the leader's own ego <laughs> so that fresh vines <laughs> have room to grow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's the hardest part is, when you are in leadership and you are in a, a, a high, you know, position like that, um, it, it, it's, it's such ten, it's a tender place because everything feels so personal and we have to understand that. I mean, uh, we're, we're, we're feeling this growth also in, in our church as well as where the older generation has already paid their dues. It's up to the next generation, which is me and my friends who are now, serving in different roles to step up and to meet the needs um, of the congregation, but also of our community. And um, we're seeing the struggle of that older generation, not knowing where they fit in. And we're like, well, now you can just champion us. You can pray for us. You can mentor us. You can still pour into us. But as far as like the actual work, we let us take care of that. Um, 
and it's part of that identity crisis. <laughs> yes, correct, correct. And it's like you did your part, and you got us to, to such a great place. And just because somebody is going to step in and do the work and to help you, uh, does not mean that takes away at all from the work that you had already did, or you know was done. Right. I think, and again, this is one of those narrowly applied scriptures that we only apply to one part of life. It, uh, is it Ecclesiastes, maybe? Everything, there's a time and a season? Maybe not. Mount yes. Everything. Yes, it's Ecclesiastes. Yes. Yeah. So everything, there's a time and a season. And we're like, well, you're going to cry and you're going to laugh. <laughs> yes, you will. But also, <laughs> there are seasons in life. And if you miss the change of seasons, you're going to be walking around in your bathing suit and it's snowing outside. Like, you, you got to <laughs> match up your seasons here. So yeah. we have elders who are wearing themselves out right. because they're still trying to live in this season when their seasons of life have changed. Right. It's time for them to move on to the next season. That does not make them any less important. That does yeah. not make them any less vital to the body because they are the pillars. They are what is holding up Absolutely. the church. Mm-hmm. But you can't be a pillar and be running around the church. Yeah. Yeah. Those are stable. They hold things up. They hold things together so that other people can do what needs to be done around the church. And so under, I think understanding your role and the season that you're in is extremely important. And so there, there is a, I've been very blessed my whole life. I've been so blessed to travel in ministry, whether it was, you know, with dad or with David or with myself or with whoever. Mm-hmm. And you see, you see churches who were extremely young, like the, the demographic is very young. And so there's a lot going on, but there's mm-hmm. no death. Or you go to other churches that have a much older demographic and they're deeply rooted, but nothing fresh is happening. Yeah. And when you do not have that balance, and that's not to say that, you know, you have to have 80 year olds and 18 year olds. I mean, you could. <laughs> But when you don't have the depth of mature Christianity and the fresh vitality of new Christianity and people wanting to do and contribute and spread and go and go and go, your, your church gets off balance. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. get, you get so deep that you never see the light of day or all you get is sunlight and you dry up because you have no depth. And it's, it's a delicate balance. And again, like I was saying, it's part of that identity crisis in that, yes, I served in this capacity for years and years and years. Now my role has changed and I serve in a new way. And yeah. it's, it's, and it's part of the being versus doing. It, it's always going to come back to that, the being versus doing. And we feel the need to perform. As you said earlier, we do feel that need to perform. Yeah. And I think a lot of it, and you were saying, you know, we feel like if we don't do this, we don't do that, then God's just up there waiting to tell us what a horrible person we are. That has a lot to do with how we we perceive fatherly relationships. Hmm. And so when we, yeah, you can look at it, you see it a lot, a lot with new converts. When they have a very rocky relationship, Hold on, let me re-say that my husband just texted me. You may have heard that. <laughs> Let's do that again. When they had a bit, are you kidding me, David? 
I don't, I can't, oh my word, I can't mute him on my laptop or I mute you too. How can I do this? I do not know. Hopefully he'll just quit messaging me. He's in Florida right now. Let's try again. When new converts have uh, very rocky relationships with their fathers or parents in general, but usually fathers, and the, the fathers can be very demeaning and very aggressive and very um, overbearing, they assume that's how the father, our heavenly father, will be. And so they just walk around in fear all the time that if I mess up, he's just going to come down so hard on me. On the flip side, if you were raised in a home where the father figure or parental figure in general was very permissive and very absent, you think you can pretty much do whatever you want and you'll be fine. And it is amazing to me when you draw the parallels, when you see those parallels between an earthly father and a heavenly father. And when, when a new convert finally understands this is a father like nothing I've ever known. This is a love like nothing I can even comprehend. And they start living, truly living in the freedom of Christ. It is amazing. Again, as Paul said, it's not freedom to do what we want and act like everything's fine. We don't, we don't abuse the grace of God, but we have grace and truth. When we live right. in truth and that sets you free, not our own truth. Mm-hmm. But the truth sets you free. There right. is a freedom in that. And that you don't have to stress about being a human, but you also don't have to use it as a liberty to act any way you want to. And so that need for performance goes away the more mature you become as a Christian, the more you begin to understand God's role in your life. But right. until you get to that point, you're going to feel the need to perform. You're going to feel the need to earn. You can't earn grace. Otherwise it's not grace. Amen. That's true. I do. I do agree with that. And, you know, I wasn't brought up in church. I'm not a PK. I'm not a PW. I'm not a P anything (laughs) really. And I, you know, was a fresh 22 year old emphasis on the fresh and, you know, had a mouth like a sailor and a heart full of promiscuity walking into a service where everybody's crying and worshiping God in a way I had never seen before. It was like, wow, you can actually express yourself that way to God and that's okay. And it was like, wow, you can, you can actually lift up your hands and weep and cry and talk to God out loud. And that's acceptable. It was Mm -hmm. mind blowing to me. Just there's a lot of things that, that we tend to take for granted as we get seasoned and that simple things um, make a huge deal to those who are coming in. And the simple fact that we literally speak out loud in a service, as much as we think it's simple to a convert, usually it is not that simple. It is a big deal that you verbally are speaking to God out loud. That's unheard of. Everything is so private, hush, hush, usually, especially if you have somebody coming with a different church background like I did, Catholic church. Are you kidding me? Um, So it was like, kneel, and I repeat the words that the priest says. That's all. I don't say anything else. And and that drew me in. And, of course, his presence being so strong because I realized, wow, 
He's here. He he's with us. He's accepting this. So it's okay to do it. Um, it's just such a mind blowing thing uh, that um, that I think it's important for us to to obviously um, have appreciation for and and gratitude about you know his mercy and his grace that he allows us to even like speak to him. It, it's it's really truly an amazing thing. Yeah, and when. I think sometimes we lose that, again, that maturity versus freshness. We lose that awe sometimes, the more quote-unquote mature we become as Christians. Yeah. Because it becomes, you're, you're exposed to it more. I mean, it's, it's somewhat natural. You're exposed to it more, so it just becomes more commonplace that you speak out or that you worship demonstratively or you can talk directly in your own words to the God of all creation. Mm-hmm. But, I just, I always think that scripture where it says, except you come to me like a little, a little child, you know, and it's not not just that, like, it's not just that you come to him with childlike mannerisms or childlike behavior, or that's not what he means. He's like, if you can come to me in that pureness and innocence and the awe that a child has, if you can keep that then there's nothing I can't do with you. When you still are amazed by my grace, when you still are blown away by my mercy, when you still crave to be with me, I can use that. When you come to me like a child, I can do that. Yeah. It's that childlike faith, right? Yeah, definitely. One of those narrowly applied scriptures. I do want to say one thing that I thought about earlier, but we <laughs> we just kept talking. Um, I think one reason why we get caught up in the do and the perform and the saying yes instead of pausing is because we don't feel like we deserve the opportunities. Mm-hmm. And so we get this um, imposter syndrome, which mm-hmm. is not really a syndrome. It's more of a phenomenon. There's, I did it episode on it I don't remember this episode number because my brain's been other places since then but I did an episode on it it was it it really is it you feel like an imposter like you don't belong so Mm -hmm. there's two ways you do that either you completely dismiss the opportunity and say no which is what we talked about or you feel like you got to say yes to everything because I have to say yes and take advantage of these opportunities before people realize that I don't really belong here and so if you can realize that you're not really there because of you anyways, you're there by the grace of God, then you understand the grace of God will continue to open the doors even when you have to say no to some. Right. That's so true. It's so good. I'm glad you brought it back because um, I think that's really the whole point of it all is remembering why you're even here in the first place. It has nothing to do with us. Um, mm-hmm. So I I do want you, if you don't mind, I mean, you've been sharing such amazing uh, just words of wisdom. But if you could just take a minute, I would love if you could specifically speak to somebody right now who is struggling with saying no and who also maybe has had a diluted idea of grace and is kind of struggling with their whole identity in 
you know, the roles that they have or, or what have you, what would you say to that person? How would you encourage them today? I say that, again, if you're doing what you can, you're doing enough. And when an opportunity arises, trust your relationship with God enough to let him lead you to a yes or a no. And when you take the time to pause and let him help you with that decision, you will have so much peace because you will know that you are in the will. We have to follow peace. And if your world is so chaotic that you have no peace simply because of your yeses, then you're not in the will. And I think that allowing your relationship with God to guide the service you provide to his body is a true sign of maturity. And we have to realize that none of us, we have to realize that none of us are big enough, powerful enough, or God enough to completely destroy God's will for our lives with one no to an opportunity. Use discernment of all the spiritual gifts. Discernment is the most important in my opinion. You need to be able to discern what. Hold on. I'm sorry. This. It's okay. I don't know if you can, still hear, can you still hear that? Yeah. Oh, I don't know how to make it. It's not. okay. Um, discernment is, is the most important spiritual gift, in my opinion. I don't know if you can rank them, but I think it's the most important. Because if you can discern what is a God opportunity and what is just an opportunity, it's going to make you more effective with your yeses. Mm-hmm. And you need to absolutely show yourself grace. But you also need to understand that you're not going to be able to do that unless you have spent time with the God of all grace. So that's what I say. No, no, (laughs) no no fun one-liners, but that's just reality. We need it. We need, we need much more realness anyway. And Bethany, I appreciate you, your heart, your voice, love your podcast. I do listen to it. Um, everything that you and, and your husband, David, are doing for the kingdom. It's its such um, a great impact. And, um, you know, you're leaving a powerful legacy for your children. And I'm excited to see what God's going to do. And just thank you for your heart today, for sharing your words. And I would love it if you would just let everybody know where they could find you on social media, find your music, and maybe some info about your church. For sure. Um, I am on Instagram uh, at Bethany Lane Jennings, B-E-T-H-A-N-Y, B-E-T-H-A-N-Y-L-A-Y-N-E, J-E-N-N-I-N-G-S, Bethany Lane Jennings. Um, I'm on Facebook, but really only through Instagram. <laughs> and uh, our mu- as far as our music goes, just look up David Jennings or Bethany Jennings. We'll pop up on, we're on all the major media platforms 
the podcast is it's on Spotify, Google, Apple. It's called We Should Talk. Um, and it is way less fancy and professional than this one. Sometimes <laughs> I just open the phone and talk while I'm in the car. You got to get it in while you can. Uh, yeah. Uh, as far as our church, we're located in Sealsby, Texas. Our church's website is called sealsby.org, S-I-L-S-B-E-E dot O-R-G. And you can go on there. And we our church has social media as well, but our website will take you to those resources. And you can also get resources on our website, messages that are preached here uh, at our main campus, uh, books that dad has written, um, all kinds of great stuff, ways to connect with us. Uh, whether you're here in our area or not. Um, I will say that if you can get a hold of some of dad's books, they will change the way you view a lot of things. Hell's 12 Apostles, Garments of God's Man, The Anatomy of a Failure, uh, Sure Signs You Want a Pulpit and Not a Ministry, If I Had to Do It All Over Again. Like there's so many good books and they're easy reads. If you've ever heard my dad preach or just sat and talked to him, that's what the books feel like. It feels, like. it feels like you're sitting there talking to him. So I encourage you, get those books. Let them change your life. And uh, thank you so much for having me today. I, I, do not, I do not take it for granted. Well, you're welcome. Of course, I'm going to have to get, I'm going to have to get a book or two of your dad's. I need to stop writing books and start reading books. That's, <laughs> that's a goal that I have. It's so hard to do. But this is definitely a goal that I have this year um, to be poured into, especially from, you know, uh, somebody who's been through some things. So I appreciate you too, Bethany. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much. If you found this episode inspiring or helpful, would you take a screenshot of it and share it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at Hello Awesome Live? I would be so encouraged. Also, please leave a five-star review in iTunes or Apple Podcasts, sharing how God used this to bless you. Until next time, keep your chin up beautiful.